0: Thank you for listening to this message from the North. Pole. Oh man, well I was praying for y'all, believe it or not. <laughs> I've been praying a lot for you actually. And so um, sometimes it's hard to do this because man, you, you hear, you pray about what to talk about and different things or you've been praying on something, and then you come into a worship service like that, you know what I'm saying? And you're like, should I? but it's all I got. It's what I got in prayer all week, so I'm going to go for it anyway, so uh, but I still think it's going to be relevant to help you guys, especially tomorrow morning, you know, because I think one of the biggest mistakes of the charismatic movement, why we have such a bad reputation with movements outside of ours, is because we're really, we're really emotional in worship, and I think we should be, But then Monday, we're really angry, bitter, and a really bad example of Jesus. And so the world has a lot of legitimate criticisms. Well, you're all hooping around, but you're cussing each other out tomorrow. Have you ever done that? Oh, the only three of us. Me and Travis. Way to go, Travis. The new guy, you let the new guy admit it, but all y'all need to repent right now. So maybe I'm not as saved as some of you, but we'll see. Maybe I'll get there tonight. So, but as I was praying, man, I just, I really been praying to some things. I know there's, there's some people out there going through some things, right? And so it's funny how this happens. It almost sucks, to be honest with you. But Psalms talks about the Joseph. How many you know what scripture I'm talking about? Raise your hand. It says, Joseph was tested by the word. What does that mean? It means sometimes you get a revelation, and preachers got to be really careful of this, because uh, <laughs> you think it's for everyone else, and you hear it, then you got you realize, oh shoot! Because I've seen a lot of people like stumble, and right before they stumbled, they talked about the kiss of betrayal, and they and, and while they were gossiping, stirring stuff up, and there's a lot of cases like that. I'm not talking about you know widespread, so I always have to check my heart. All right, Lord, what do I need to do in this? That's the safest place to be. What do I need to do in this first before I point the fingers, right? Look at the log out of my own eye. Get that out there before I worry about anyone else. Does that make sense? And so um, one thing that happens is you get tested by the word. And one thing that happens is it's this process a lot of times that I think a lot of you are going through is uh, Proverbs talks about, and I, and I got enough scripture, so I don't want to go down and just give you scripture. I'll just say it, right? It talks about Gold that gets refined in the fire. What comes to the surface when gold gets refined? The dross. And so when you hear beloved identity for five years, guess what's gonna happen? You're gonna get poked. I think of the very noble because I was fat growing up and they did that to me a lot. So don't make fun of me. I'm sitting there like this, I'm like, I triggered myself, right? But beloved identity comes and goes, You're beloved. And you're like, oh, I feel so good. You're beloved. You're beloved. Yeah, thank you. This is so amazing. I feel like so great. And the Monday morning comes and your boss is like, where's the report? Why are you late? Right? How come this isn't paid? Whatever it is, you're like, whoa, 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 what, what? And then you come home and like your kids get in trouble in school. And then, right? And then the next thing, the next thing, the next thing you know, you don't feel really beloved anymore, do you? And so you have this thing, and then you get angry, and you're mad, and you're like, want to cuss the principal Whatever it is that you're going through, you're going through all this stuff, and you're like, man, I feel more irritated now than before I ever heard the beloved identity message. You know what that is? It's called, you had some rebellion and some things in here and some anger inside of you, and you're praying, whatever it takes, Jesus. Jesus, take the wheel. God, show me I'm beloved. He's like, okay, well, you're going to have to forgive this person. You're like, Nope. Guess what? Wall comes up. And then the beloved message keeps coming at you like bullets. You're loved. You're loved. Then you guess what happens? You get tired of hearing it. You start getting irritated. Are we going to talk about anything else in beloved identity? Is that the only message you need to forget? I mean, how many more times we got to talk about this? Oh, I think I get it now. No, obviously you didn't. Cause there's a reason why it's still being spoken. The bullets are still coming, but that wall is still up because when he comes in to take what's keeping you from feeling beloved on Monday morning, not in the corporate worship gathering, you literally build up a wall of protection around it. Yeah. And so what I was praying for you, man, it just got like, literally, I'm not like trying to be mean. Am I coming off mean? Katie Lynn, you're cool. All right. Everyone cool. All right. I'm not, I'm not, this is not a hard mess. To me, this is liberating, okay? And so when I was praying, I'm like, Lord, like I'm getting the draw thing, I'm getting some other stuff. And, you know, sometimes this happens when you hear a word and you don't apply it. There's all these different dimensions that you've learned over the years. and scripture tells us that could create these things that almost make us unresponsive to what we're hearing, right? And so as I'm going through there, I'm like, Lord, what, like, before I even knew I was preaching, I'm praying for the church and I'm like, what are people going through? What are they, what's going on? Like, we've tried everything. We've done the father's table. We've done three or four years rounds of school of ministry. We've done prophetic ignition. We've done prayer meeting at the prayer meeting at the prayer meeting. We've done men's and women's. We've done marriage counseling. We've done how to raise your kids. Like, it's not a lack of education. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, especially here, like we do a lot. We've done a lot over the years. And so that's not to condemn anyone that's struggling. What I'm saying is like when you're in a leadership role, right? You pray like, what, what do you have to do different? Because your go-to thing is we need to teach more. We need to do this more. Just like in schools, right? Education is the answer. So we're our culture driven us to want to teach more, to get that out. And it may or may not be the case, right? And so as I'm praying for you all, <clears throat> literally I saw the word unforgiveness. And immediately I want to go back to... My mind, the way I'm wired through inner healing training and sozo, i want to go back to your family route. Now, I don't wanna to go to your family route today. I wanna to go to your marriage. I wanna to go to your job, right? I'm gonna to go to just the attitude toward church, like whatever it is that you're dealing with, because we we know forgiveness to a degree. And we know we've done the inner healing so much here over the years that, you know, you got to forgive the person that abused you. Otherwise you're going to be in this long. We we understand all that, but we, for some reason it escapes our head that I actually have to forgive the person I live with. Why? Because they're going to disappoint me (laughs) and I'm going to disappoint them. I guarantee it probably every day, probably four or five times a day, right? All this little stuff. Why is this here? Are you getting in the bathroom? I have one bathroom. So, there, you know, you, know you getting here or am I getting here? What's going on? <laughs> right? We talk about being undefended, but you know what living undefended actually is? Living undefended is actually living a lifestyle of forgiveness. Because I've never met anyone that's never been offended. Have you? If you've not ever been offended, raise your hand. Dale, I'll punch you in the face, you liar. You religious hypocrite. You Pharisee. I'm coming after you, Dale. See, Dad's going to have to forgive me now because you just got offended because I said that. If someone comes to you and tells you they're unoffendable, like you're trying to talk yourself into that. What, what it is, is you get your feelings hurt and you have a choice. Do I dwell on it, let this thing, this offense take root, or I just say, whatever, they just rubbed me the wrong way. They're probably having a bad day. Cool. Let me move on. One is the way of peace. One is the way of Torment. <clears throat> so let me tell you what Jesus said Okay Some of you may not like it Because it's really hard But I'm going to be real gentle as possible Because I'm in a good mood, right? So, all right so let's go to Matthew 6 14 through 15 <clears throat> Talk about your prayer life How many of you, like seriously Can we be honest and vulnerable How many feel like your prayer life struggled over the last year or two A little bit Here's the key Here's a key. And when you pray, by the way, he teaches this right after the Lord's prayer. We stop there, but here's the context, the Lord's prayer. When you pray, make sure you forgive hmm, the faults of others so that your father in heaven will also forget you. I thought it was all about the cross. I didn't put the stipulation there. Jesus did. So get mad at him. Is it about the cross? Yes. You know what that means? Part of taking up your cross every day is forgiving other people and their faults. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Some of you are not living and abiding in the joy of your salvation because you're caught in a holding pattern of un- due to unforgiveness. How many of you know what a holding pattern is? Raise your hand. A plane comes to an airport, right? Radio's into the tower. Breaker 1-9 for radio check about it. Can we come in and land? Nope, you can't land. What do you mean? There's no space for you. So you go So they do. They fly around the airport to their space. How many of you are praying for some things to land in your life, for some breakthrough and some things to land? One of the reasons why this may not be happening for you, again, this is a happy message, right? Is you could be in a holding pattern due to unforgiveness. Do you know joy? The the if you look up the word joy in Greek, it actually means joy due to salvation, due to grace, joy because of grace, joy because of salvation. It's impossible to have biblical joy without celebrating the gospel. And you could be saved from hell, but you're not living in the joy of salvation. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Right? And so, what I'm telling you is just the key to unlock some things and to stay in the place. And here's the thing I hate about religion: religion taught me I have to obey God because He's master and I'm slave. Yes, yes, is that true? Is He master? Yes, He is Lord of my life. But you know what Jesus had to say about commandments? I don't think we get it. I don't think we know the scripture, but I don't think we get it. Jesus said I, these commandments I give to you. Why, why does He say that your what joy may be full? You mean you're just not just telling me what to do because you're the guy in charge? He's That's not why he's doing it. He's like, there's a way of peace. And if you listen to what I'm trying to tell you, you can walk on that way of peace. But if you don't listen to it, you're going to hit some bumps in the road. And you're going to be really mad. You're going to be angry at times. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be bitter. Does that make sense? So here's here's the way of life as I designed it. Whew. Forgive others as I forgive you. And guess what happens? You walk in another dimension of peace. Amen. Happy is the man whose sins are forgiven. Psalms 32.1. If you're walking in the fullness of salvation, you're going to be ecstatic that you're forgiven. And if you're not ecstatic in the living gospel and the happy good news, it means good news. It literally means good news. Gospel, good news. If it ain't good to you anymore... Maybe there's a small chance you let a root of bitterness spring up. Okay? And there's reasons for this. It's okay. We're all going to get to that. But one thing I learned in life, and the Bible completely, Jesus does like this two or three page parable, so I'm not going to read it to you. But he pretty much says, break it down to this. Unforgiveness is a prison. Unforgiveness is torment. Right? You guys know what I'm talking about, the parable. I'm not going to get into it. But unforgiveness is a complete prison. It's complete torment. Now, I want to reference this. When I'm talking about forgiveness, I'm not saying this relationship has to be reconciled in the same it was. There's people that abused me as a child, that they'll never have access to my home. They'll never have access to my kids. They're, we're not hunky-dory, like everything's fine, okay? It doesn't mean you're stupid and just let them... Bl- You know, because that they could still be in that place, you know what I'm saying? It just means here I no longer have an issue when I hear that person's name, I no longer freak out, I no longer trigger, I don't get sad, I don't get angry, I don't get, I don't want to beat them up, I don't want to punch them in the face. I've completely let go of out of my heart anything that they did wrong to me. And I completely let go. And there's liberty there. So when I'm saying forgiveness, what I'm saying is it doesn't mean you pretend they didn't do something to you, okay? Because that's, that's just lying. That's just lying. Now, all week long, that song that Mama Tina sang a few weeks ago has really been hitting home. Uh, so much where I bought the album so I could just, I hear it and play it. I'm like a apostle. I hear it, I get a song, i play and repeat. It's like, we make space. We make room. And one part of there, she says, bye, 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 clutter, right? And listen, God knows we need to get rid of physical clutter. But when I hear that, what I'm actually hearing is, get rid of your heart clutter. Clear your headscape. Make room, when I hear when she was singing it tonight, I'll make room for you. You know what it is? You know why I said it? It's because you can spend two, three, four hours a day and never be present with the Lord. Because your headspace is so cluttered with, I don't add up. You probably don't hear me. I'm under judgment. Because the, the Church of God guy in the radio or his Facebook didn't like my post and said, I'm following a coal leader. Whatever the heck it is, whatever it is. You're, you, you go through this stuff and you're just like, what the, what, what, what? Right? And so literally, you know, when you're stressed, right, you you have stuff work, you know, that's, that's a lot of times that stuff's easy to get through. You know what isn't easy to get through? I've been mad as heck right before a church service and I got right in the presence. You know, when I never get in the presence is when I'm mad because I won't like, I'm really mad and I want someone to pay And I get into presence, everyone could be doing car wheels, and I'll be in there like, oh, great service, brother. I've learned over the years, Father, forgive me, whatever I need to clean up, I clean up, right? And the next five minutes later, I'm like, bye, 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 back in it, you know? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. There's, it's one thing to like get mad and cuss because you hit your hand or something when you're, whatever it is. It's another thing altogether when you hold someone in prison to your expectations. And every time I've talked about this in the past, I've had so many people, listen, I've done classes in nonprofit world for over 10 years with homeless veterans and and homeless people and homeless, like single moms and homeless families and all kinds of groups of people aging out of foster care with the Next Step program. I've done food stamp program, orientation. I've done all kinds of stuff. I dealt with all kinds of people in bad situations. And it's just, it's crazy when you like look at it, every single one of them in those situations have relationship issues and emotional issues. Almost, I would say probably 95% at least. You would say, situation where they lost their job. Why'd you lose job? I got in a fight with the boss. Emotional issue. Relationship issue. It always comes out of these things. And I'm sitting there going, my goodness, a lot of the mental health that we're dealing with because I work close to it firsthand. I'm not a counselor, but I work close to it, is unforgiveness issues. You don't know what they did to me. You're right. But unforgiveness locks your mind. It locks your heart. It's like putting shutters up. It, It just, it keeps you from being free and receptive. And it keeps you from thinking clearly. In fact, where Jen and I in heaven, heaven came over. They went, did some things uh, in Kent today, Arden Hill or something. Took Sambo there. And we're just kind of talking about this kind of stuff. I was like, you know, I could look back in my prayer closet at times where I prayed one to three hours a day. Do you know what 90% of that time was spent on? Getting rid of the Clutter. So out of an hour to three hours, I may have had actually 10 to 20 minutes actually with Jesus, because the rest of it was praying in tongues, listening to worship music, shouting down the rooftop to get clear my headspace. And one time I was, you know, back in the day I was delivering pizzas in college. I was screaming up. I was having a bad day. And I was like, in my car, and my car, no one else. Devil I bind you. Remember the old warfare days? Yelling at the devil, blaming him for your dysfunction. <laughs> so I'm in the car and I'm like, ah, I'm like, dude, all this stuff. And then, dude, and literally an hour and a half went by. It was like a Friday night. We're busy. I'm just on the road the whole time. And then all of a sudden I felt peace and love breakthrough. How many of you have ever had that feeling? Raise your hand. I felt peace and love breakthrough. And I'm like, ah, I was so exhausted. Because an hour and a half from screaming literally at devils, praying at tongues, yelling at the top of my lungs, because that's what I taught, was taught back then to do and literally this piece breaks in and I hear the Lord's like, why you stop praying? And I was like, because I got what I want. And he goes, you just now started praying. It's like, Lord, you obviously didn't realize I've been praying for an hour and a half. Didn't you hear me yelling at Jezebel for an hour and a half? He's like, no, you just started praying. So what was all the other hour and a half charismatic nonsense? Me trying to clear what I put in here how angry I was, who I was mad at, and she did this to me, whatever. You know what I mean? All this stuff was in my head and heart. I was clearing it out. So what I'm telling you is, if you've struggled in devotion, this is a really good key for you. Cleaning out the clutter, because it's, when you clean a cluttered room, it's really hard because you look in there and it's always junk. It doesn't matter what you do, it's full. But when you clean it and you get everything organized and one thing gets out of place, you're like, oh, That don't belong here. And then you come in and move two or three things. And it's so much easier to move two or three things than get overwhelmed by a entire room of trash. Yeah? And so we have to keep our headspace clear. Go ahead. And I got to think, Lita McDole. Right here. Let me show you how this works. And I'm sorry I messed her hair up today, Leah. I put her on a shelf upside down. And Jen was like, I thought she was you. She was like has some dry mousse or whatever you guys call that. I don't use any of that. So I don't even know what, she's like this. She's like licking eyebrows and getting nail polish and putting it on there. And so help me out, put the, put the crown. This is, this is what happens. We come to church, we begin pre-service prayer and it's a little hard because we haven't prayed all week. Or we haven't prayed undistracted all week. And then we come in and we remind each other we're beloved and we put this crown on. And I hope you look a little better than this, but give us a break here. It's just a demonstration. And you're beloved, see, I'm a child of the king. Yeah. And then, then Monday morning comes and you're like, oh, my kids missed the bus. Put that on there. What else? Oh, they're shutting school down. Everyone's got COVID. Oh, my kid just got kicked out of school. Dang it. I got to do what? I got to, how am I supposed to have a job and teach my kids from home? Oh, Jesus. I got off at five. Why are you calling me at seven o'clock to do more work? Crap. Crap. I forgot to buy eggs at the store. Now I don't have any breakfast to eat. Whatever it is, we'll pull one right here. Right? How many of you know this? Like, man, I don't know, this whole day stinks. There you go, right? And you start to go here and and then you go, you're running late, drop your kids off. Now you're going to be late for work. So, so your boss is mad at you. And then you're mad at the, the stop sign lady at the school because she's always yelling at you anyways about the fire lane that you don't care about. And then then you spill your coffee in yourself, right? Cause you're in a hurry. And then you're like, I didn't even get to drink my coffee today. And then people look at you and you flick them off because you just you know then you repent as you're driving away because you shouldn't have done it. And then and then you go to pick your kid up at the end of the day, you're like, that's the chick to flick me off. Now you're mad because they know it's you, right? And you gotta own up to it. And then the whole time you're in your car, but I'm beloved, I'm beloved, right where I need to be, right? And then it's just like, so you're just like, no, brother, I believe I'm beloved. I have people that are completely like a mess and I come up to them, hey man, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored, brother. I'm doing great. Really? Do you smell that? I don't smell anything. Of course you don't. I don't know Why? You know, in the social service world, you probably saw this video. We have this video. It's like literally, it's, it's, really stu- it's meant to be stupid, but really insightful. Like it t- teaches you how to counsel and do motivational interviewing. And there's a chick there with a nail in her head. And they show the counselor, the first thing you want to say is like, do you realize you got a nail right in the middle of your head? But you're not allowed to say that. Because as soon as you say it, they're going to be like, what? They can't see it because it's on their forehead. So even though it's right here and they could probably feel it and all this different stuff, they can't see it because it's right here. And the whole idea is you could tell them they have a nail in their head all they want. and They're not going to get it because they can't see it. They're going to be like, why would I have a nail in my head? Like, I don't know, but you got a nail in your head, right? So they teach you how to walk people through a process of realizing, hey, wow, do you think I have a nail in my head? I think you might, <laughs> right? Kind of reminds me of my big fat Greek wedding where... The lady, she wanted the job at the office, but the dad went to the restaurant. So they said they knew the dad wouldn't let her unless it was his idea. So they say, go there. It's a motivational interview. And if you ever want to be a social worker, it's like, you sit down and you go, man, she really wants to work in the office. And -and so-and-so really needs some help, but man, she has to work in a restaurant. He's like, I got the idea. She goes and works in the office. And everyone's like, what a great idea, pop or pappy or the daddy, whatever they call him, right? And so- It's obvious to everyone else, but to him, they have to create a context for him to come up. Otherwise, you see what I'm saying? And so social workers are turning over right now because that's not real (laughs) motivation. And and so we have this and we come to church and we fake it and pretend we have everything together. Right? No, I'm beloved. No, you are. You have a crown. You're beloved. He's a crown of loving kindness. Yes. But how's the, try try doing devotion like this. If you ever put one of these on your nose, it freaking hurts. You know what you're going to think about? How bad it hurts the entire time. You're not going to pay attention to your little Jesus calling book, okay? So, so guess what happens? You come in, you process. Okay, here. You start to take that. Here comes 20 minutes of my devotional time. Oh. By the time I get down to here, guess what? I got to go to work. Oh. How was devotion today, honey? That was all right. Like, I felt like God dealt with some stuff. It was okay. Huh, I wonder why. You got rid of a few things. And here's the thing. Bill Johnson said this years ago. If I latched onto this so good. He said there's a difference between sin and uncleanliness. And he said one time he went to a hotel room, and it was one of those illegal movies on the TV screen. Okay. He didn't, he didn't, he just goes to his hotel. He's doing a conference. He's traveling. He turns on the TV and one of those illegal movies was playing. Somehow like it just, it was already playing. So he turned it on and he saw images that he did not want to see. So he said, did I sin? Was I lusting? Was I trying? No, I didn't sin. He's like, but now I have to deal with the memory of what my eyes were exposed to. It's like, I didn't sin, but my eyes were unclean for a moment. That's not sending him to hell. But what it says is now he has to deal with the memory and what apostles say about Ishmael. Some of you are still traumatized by the memory. If it reminds you, oh, you remind me of him. I worked with a lady at work who whose husband was a maintenance man. And my job was to help get her employed. And so the only thing people hiring was fast food, retail, surprise, and like low-wage factories, right? The factories were paying more than fast food and retail at the time. And she would not last more than a few days. And I'm like, we got to figure this out. Like, we have to figure this out. I know I don't want to work in a factory either. We have to figure something out for you because you got, you're homeless. You're going to be on the street soon because your time's running out in the shelter. We got to figure this out. And help me help you, like, you know. And we're in a class, the support group type class I'm leading. We're talking about stuff like this. Then we're talking about forgiveness. And she's like, oh my God, I just had an epiphany. I'm like, what? She's like, I know why I can't work in factories. I'm like, why? She said, my ex-husband, who walked out with my two-year-old kid, was a maintenance man. Every day he would come in with the maintenance outfit. She's like, I realize every time I'm in a factory place and I see a man with the blue shirt and the name tag on, I trigger. I get angry. I get mouthy. And when they push back at me, I'm like, I'm out of here. So what was the issue? Was it the environment that she worked in? When is she going to get breakthrough? Is it when she doesn't drive by a factory, never see a maintenance outfit again? Or she actually forgives her ex-husband and no longer becomes a trigger. Now she's free to get a job anywhere. Do you see what I'm saying? She was caught in holding pattern. Things are going to happen to you that you can't prevent these things from lashing you. But as you learn to live unoffendable, which means... Forgiving people for offending you and hurting your feelings it doesn't mean you're not going to get offended. It just means you give it no influence your life. You start to be free, and at first it's a little hard. But then you get face to face, and you get clean. The next time you go in devotion, you're like, you know what? Today was a lot better than it was yesterday. And then you go in there, and you work. Some stuff just gets worked out, or just starts falling off you because you're worshiping. And next thing you know, you're like, oh, that's way better than even yesterday. Then you do three or four or five consistent days, and you're like, Wow, I didn't have to really deal with anything, I just got in the presence. Wow, God was so good. Do you see why consistency is so important? And what keeps our headspace clear is how we let stuff bounce off of us. I keep my headspace clear when I don't get offended, when I don't like put garbage in there, and I did, you know what I'm saying? I go through the whole entire thing. And so I quick to forgive. Oh, you didn't take the trash out, it's okay. We'll get through it. Hey, you didn't do this. You didn't pay that bill. It's okay. We'll get through it, right? And then what happens is you get mad. You get mad in a moment. Yell, raise your voice. Guess what? You can't change that now, but you know what you can do? Forgive. You can forgive yourself, or you can hang your head and put yourself in depression, or you can forgive, you know what I'm saying, yourself for doing it. And then also as a spouse, you can forgive them for getting mad at you. It doesn't make it right. This is not saying that people being out of order and dysfunctional is okay, but what it means is I'm not going to let it wound me. I didn't like it and, and I'll talk to you about it, but I'm not going to hold it against you the rest of your life. You know, one of the biggest signs of unforgiveness is, is when you bring up past stuff. Cause what you actually did is you said you forgave them, but you actually just hit pause until they made you mad again. And then you said, well, actually I got three or four things cause you did this three or four times now. I'm getting kind of really angry about this. And you actually never actually forgave. You're actually holding the trespasses against them. Does that make sense? All right, let's get up here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell this. I'm gonna get into a story and I'm gonna end with a story. So I, I do wanna read some scriptures. Let's go to Luke 6, 37. <clears throat> Jesus said, forsake the habit of criticizing and judging others. Uh-oh. And then you will not be criticized and judged in return. No wonder the American church is a mess. No offense, sometimes I have to shut Fox News off. I just committed the conservative sin in America. Our sacred Kyle Fox News. Why? Because if you watch too much of that, guess what you're going to be? Critical. Don't look at others and pronounce them guilty and you will not experience guilty accusations yourself. Listen. If you don't like being criticized, do not criticize other people. You'll be a magnet for it. I criticized a preacher I did not like one time. He came to the Glory Barn, glorious meeting. Everyone's Everyone is, a uh, bunch of people got healed. People like, it's the greatest service of my life. And I went out to eat with them, and I realized after talking to him, this person only went to churches that already had revival. He's like, if they don't have revival, I'm not going. And I start to think a little bit, so you're not actually really doing much. You're just kind of going and riding for the way that's already there, you know? And he was kind of real critical of all these other ministries, Bethel and Lou. and They do this. I tell you, these people treasure hunt. Well, he led street evangelism. And to me, I was like, that's kind of arrogant. You're criticizing the way they do it, but you do it in a little different ways. You know what I mean? I'm just sitting here, and I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. But he's like, but I want to come back to your church, brother. We had a great meeting. I'm like, you know what you did? Come on back, Okay. <laughs> Next meeting, like he was a, visibly angry during the service because no one responded and no one got healed. And he's like, this is the Bible. And no one responded. And I didn't pray about him coming the second time. We had a great meeting. I prayed about the first time in a great meeting. And he came, I didn't pray about a second time. I just said, it was such a great meeting. Come on back. And it was terrible. Never talked to him again, I don't think. And so I had a friend that kept, kept, texting me. Hey, so-and-so's coming back. Him he's coming back. He's coming back over here. He's coming back over here. He's coming. And it started really annoying me, right? And uh, I was offended by this guy. It started really annoying me really bad, really bad. So I finally just said, hey, listen, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like the guy. I think he's arrogant. I think he runs his mouth about a lot of ministries and he shouldn't. And I, he only has this revival that you see because he's going to churches that already have revival. Why? Because you pretty much told me that. And so Blah blah blah. She's like, oh, okay, sorry. Buh, blah, blah, blah. Now I created division. See what I mean? I, I couldn't forgive whatever I was offence. So now I created division unintentionally. I didn't mean to. I just spewed on her and now she's probably a suspect. You know, that very night, I had a dream and I went to hell. I know people, you know, we struggle with the idea of hell and the loving God. I'm telling you, it's, it's Jesus taught about it more than anyone else. In that dream, I went to hell and these things were holding me down on a table and drilling at this giant drill bit and they were drilling things right in my teeth. I was getting screwed literally with the drill bit down on my teeth. And I was going, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And nothing was working. And they're literally laughing at me. Going, Bro, how do you think you got here? Kind of thing. It was like that. I was like, oh, and I was I was saying this stuff. Dude, I woke up from the dream and I knew exactly why I went to hell that night in the dream hundred percent clear. Like I just knew because I criticized that man. And I said, God, I was literally got up scared to death. Like I was going to die and go to hell that moment. I ran to my couch. I was weeping on my couch. You know what the Lord said to me? I'll deal with him. You keep your mouth shut. I know people don't like to hear this because we're loving God, loving message. You keep your mouth shut. He's anointed. I'll deal with him. It's not that you're wrong. It's none of your business. Don't stir stuff up because maybe he had a spot to heal someone with cancer down the road that grandma's been praying for. And I could have ruined it by telling this lady, stay away from him. And I was, so after I kind of calmed down, the Lord's like, I'm telling you this because I'm going to launch you in a ministry at some point that's going to be significant. And do you want to sow with people criticizing around their mouth about how arrogant you are and every mistake you made and call you out? That he better stop sewing into it now. And I was like scared to death, like, Lord, forgive me. And once in a while I slip, but I, I, I quick to repent. Like if I see someone on TV, look at that idiot. And I'm like, oh Lord, stop. <laughs> I went to call TBN, like RBN for Religious Broadcasting Network one time during prophetic ignition at the old gym. Do you guys remember this? I know you were there. <laughs> I went to go say TBN, more like literally I felt something grab my tongue and I was like, and I was frozen. Do you remember that? I, and I, 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 I felt so bad I confessed because it stemmed from that dream and I'm like, who am I to like they've done a lot of good they've done stuff I don't like but I'm not God keep your mouth shut Mike. Do you see what I'm saying? Let's go to listen and here, here's the problem man as leaders, we got to deal with stuff and so it's easy for us to go what's the truth? And it's like we got to, you got to really weigh the line between that fine line of being critical, and actually helping someone through a problem. And a lot, dude. Literally, the church I went to, like I was, I went to school with. I didn't go to school with the church. When I was a kid in school, I would literally, the pastor would literally gossip. I thank God we don't have that here. He would literally like go the it was not prophetic. He would just like yell at people for what he heard they did throughout the week, and everyone knew it. And people would warn you, Pastor's gonna give you a rip ripping. You better watch it. He literally, like, you know what I'm saying? There was no love in it, there was no redemption, it was just ah, that kind of stuff. Guess what? You just attract criticism to you. All right. Uh let's go to Ephesians 4:32. But instead, be kind and affectionate toward one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. This is one of the quickest ways back to the joy of your salvation. You know, come on, be honest. You know when people get on your skin. Yeah? So guess what you do? You you go, God, they got under my skin. I am PO'd right now. I, I know it's wrong, but I'm mad. Deal with my heart. Give me grace. Let me forgive them. Amen. All right. One more, and then we're going to close. Mark 11, 25 through 26. And wherever you stand praying, if you find that you carry something in your heart against another person, release him and forgive him so that your Father in heaven will also release you and forgive you of your faults. Do you realize the Bible talks about your prayers will be hindered if you're fighting with your spouse? Yeah? So if you've you've prayed in the gym, we're praying here, then we're praying on Friday, and you see these prayers come to pass, but you're praying in your personal life and you're not seeing this thing break through, <laughs> are you fault-finding with your spouse? Because God could be re- actually resisting you. I know he's good, but he loves you so much, he doesn't want this dysfunctional and let all the blessings come. So he's just saying, it's like Adam. If you eat the tree corrupt, you're going to be like that the rest of your life. So because I love you, I'm going to keep you out of the garden. Yeah? And so God resists the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. And so if we're pride and we're quarreling, now, listen, there's a lot of stuff people that deal with personal lives. I've been there. I go through it time to time. I'm not pointing anyone out. So if you think I'm pointing you out and saying this is for you, like, that's probably just conviction, should probably kind of take that to prayer. I'm not being, any, this is not about one person in the room. I just say that because I've been in the seat and thought it was about me and I'm like, oh, I'm never gonna add up. I'm not, no, no that's not what I'm saying this. I'm saying, I'm praying for the church and this is what I'm hearing. Unforgiveness is what's keeping people in prison. Is Okay? Now, let me tell you a story and this is what I'm gonna end on. <clears throat> In my younger years, I was, because all the kids are out, right? Yeah. I was sexually abused by three men in my family, three cousins. They weren't strangers. They were they were teenager, older teenagers, okay? Some of you have heard me say this before, but I haven't talked about this in a long time. And so, a lot of manipulation, you know, it, it sounds dumb as an adult, but as a kid, you know, it's like, if you, tell, if you tell her parents, then you're never going to be allowed here to get anyone to play Nintendo. You know, it sounds stupid now, but as like a six, seven-year-old kid, that's a pretty big deal. Right? So my mom knows something's going on. So my mom takes me as doctor, and I was so young, I could barely even remember his flashes. And my mom was like really religious, angry back then. She's really sweet now. Love you, mom, for watching. But she was just like, I know someone's touching you. Are they touching you? You better tell me if they're touching you. Like, so what am I as a kid going to do? Am I going to tell her someone's touching me? Can I be real? I know, trigger warning. But this shh, this is going to set some of you free. So even when my mom tried to do the right thing, I'm like, uh-uh. Never happened. Nope. Nope. And the first person that did it, there was two one-time events with the other two. But one person, for some reason, I wasn't real mad at them. I don't know why. Probably because the other person... If you do deliverance make sure, you know a lot of times the one that introduces the trauma to you is the one you're that you hold the grudge against the most. So I go through this and it's repeated. In fact, me and 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 his brother, he did it was it was kind of like this weird thing. So like I had this like real like growing up, I had this rage. Okay. So in like sixth and seventh grade, I'm working with my cousins in floor covering, and my cousin Rick. I was working with my cousin, Jack, I think it was. And Jack was really mean at the time, and Rick wasn't very nice. And I worked with them like, 14, I think. And, and they're, like, just running their mouth. Then I just freaking snapped. And I'm, like, it, and my cousin was living with my grandma all the time. I'm, like, I'm going to go in there at the old duplex. I'm, like, I'm going to go in there. And I told him, I'm, like, I'm going to kill you. Oh, yeah, Roy. Right. Oh, Who, you think you're so tough? You're, like, 14. I'm, like, I'm going to walk in. I'm going to grab a steak knife, and I'm going to stab you in the throat. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> right? And they keep, like, so I guess what happened? I walked in. I walked into my grandma's, went to her knife. They're like, hey, what are you doing here? I'm like, nothing. I grabbed a knife out of the thing, and I walked through, and I went right for my cousin to stab him in the throat. You didn't hear this side of the story, did you? I was messed up. Guess what? cousin was a little bigger than me and grabbed my wrist as I tried to stab him in the throat. So I dropped the knife. Thank God or I'd be in jail probably. I had issues. But there's a reason why I had issues. So in high school, guess what happens? I'm angry all the time. I have rage. And if anyone came up like my mom saying, well, you know what? Something probably happened to you. I'd get mad. And I'm like, I'm going to punch you in the face if you bring it up again. Why? Because I was trying to protect the vulnerable parts of me. And I, I knew it happened, but I refused to let that come to the light because I was so afraid of how I felt. And because I felt like that, I was so full of rage. Whew. Having a bad day at school. Let's go skip school and huff gas. Get arrested by the cots. Let's go fight. Let's go do this. Right? I just want to get wasted. And then I get hammered and, and start a bunch of stuff up and I get banned from the bar and I get in trouble. I did, you know what I mean? All these different things and I'm in trouble now, right? I'm in trouble and 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 I'm sitting there like, why am I so freaking mad? Because I was a lot of fun to hang out with because I would get in trouble. Because if someone said, like, go punch that guy in the face, I would probably consider it, right? Like, let's have fun. Let's go do stupid stuff. And I had this thing about me where I just didn't care. You know, I had guns pulled on me. I was like, go ahead, and kill me. I don't freaking care. So in my 20s, this thing built up to a head, right? Because the drugs didn't work. The vandalism didn't work. The party, none of it worked. Girls didn't work. In fact, every girl I dated, I cheated on you. Want to know why? Because after about three months in the back of my head, anytime I'm intimate with someone, they're going to hurt me and abuse me and sleep with somebody else. So guess what I did? Self-sabotage. I cheated on them before they could cheat on me. So I have all these areas of my life that I have no idea why I do it, but I'm caught in a holding pattern. So then I date this crazy chick with probably a crazier sister. And I used to say, I don't want a girlfriend, I want a partner in crime, someone I could be wild with. And boy, I got one, because misery loves company. Yeah? Can anyone relate? And so... We'd go out, she'd get drunk, she'd punch me in the face. I'd hold her against the wall and she'd be like, you hit me. I'm like, no, I kept you from hitting me. <laughs> and it was just, we broke up every three days, every weekend, pretty much. And right before we want to go cheating on each other, we'd break up like on a Thursday so we can go cheat and get back together Sunday night. It's kind of like one of those things. It was just like this toxic, like weird cycle thing, right? And so I'm at the end of it, man. I'm literally, I'm literally taking naps and I'm seeing myself get molested. I'm reliving it. I'm at work delivering pizzas at the time. I'm in college. And I thought, I have no mental health issue because I'm writing papers on global ec- economics and in the, in the market in China and all this smart stuff, right? Working on my master's degree. But you know what I was doing when I was delivering pizzas? Seeing myself as I'm looking how to route orders, I'm seeing myself get molested in my mind. And sometimes I would go outside and grab my head and go, get out of my effing head. Oh, and i punch myself or something. I go in the car and listen to Pantera. It didn't fix anything, it just soothed it. I know now because I talked to counselors at work that I had PTSD, extreme PTSD. And now it explains why I would go to a bar and fight. If I'm not hooking up with someone, I'm going to kill someone. Why not? I had these deep rooted issues. So I date someone with deep rooted issues. How do you think that worked out? It was funny. Is it's not funny, but I went to school with someone who liked me, though. So I thought she was just trying to sabotage. She's like, "You need to dump this chick. She's crazy. She's gonna do something to you, and she's gonna you're gonna go to jail for it." This is her pattern. This is how it works. I've been with her when she had her baby's daddy. All this stuff. I've been there. Break up with her, and I'm like, "Yeah, you just kind of like me when it dated me. So you're probably just trying to break us up, kind of thing." She had a story with her ex. Or she gets mad at her baby's daddy, pulls a steak knife out and tries to stab him. He grabs, squeeze her wrist, and she drops it. Same exact story as mine, Ed. And I didn't even put that together till tonight. Same exact story. Isn't that crazy how we got together? Same exact thing. Like, isn't that weird? That's how it works. It's all spiritual. I'm not saved yet. It's all spiritual. So literally, we go to a bar, <clears throat> and I know I'm taking the time, I'm just trying to tell you like the layers of this stuff. So I literally, I go to a bar. It's my uh, friend, Steve is a marine he's a big jacked up freaking steroid dude. And his little brother there, well, his little brother's underage. We go to Twinsburg and there's like this butane bobs or something. I can't even really remember much of it. We get up there and uh, man, we're just, we're the type of guys that it was just like, we literally laughed about the Dukes of Hazard. and it was our song, the theme song. We like put boonies on and We do donuts in the truck and be like, just a good old boy. We're doing all this stupid. We just, we're dumb, you know? And uh, we're there at this bar. And so his brother brings all these underage guys in there. I don't know how they got in a bar. I don't know if it's 18 over or what. I don't know. I was already hammered before I got there. So they come out and the one guy sends his girlfriend up to get free drinks. Well, my girlfriend and I start arguing I'm like, dude, I'm not going to jail for these fools. Don't buy them anything. She's like, no, just remember when you're young. And she's buying them drinks. We're in an argument over it. And then when she wasn't around, <laughs> this girl kept coming up, putting her hand on me, like trying to get all flirty. And I'm like, I know who you're here with. I'm here with my girlfriend. Get out of here. So I got really annoyed. So I started saying stuff I shouldn't have. I called her names. I shouldn't. That was probably inappropriate at the time. She went offended and told her boyfriend, who's like 6'5", tall, skinny guy. So he wanted to fight me. I'd like to fight. So guess what? We started fighting. What did my ex-girlfriend do? She jumps in between us. And I said, you're going to get hit. Get out of the way. Because this guy's literally charging me like Rambo. But he's real tall, lanky. He's like, ah, I'm going to kill you. And I'm running to him. She jumps in the middle. So I take her shoulder and I push her out of the way so she doesn't get hit. Him and I start fighting. Next thing you know, her sister comes and punches me in the face of the ring and actually did more damage than the guy did, <laughs> believe it or not. So it boils over to the car. Everyone gets kicked out, boils over to the parking lot. She pulls right up to me. I'm mad as heck because I am I wanted to beat this guy up. You got in the way and attacked me. So now everyone I'm supposed to be friends with, you know what I mean? Like this whole thing. How am I getting home? She was my ride there. We're all this different stuff going on. She comes on the parking lot, pulls up, screaming, flicks me off, and runs me and two of my friends over at the car. So I grabbed the wiper. The wiper pulls up. I did punch the car probably. <laughs> um, I was pretty angry. But I got ran over. And I held on to the wiper and rolled off so I didn't get ran over again because she tried to run us over a second time. My friends had bruises. We took pictures. So I had my roommate take me to to the police department. And there's a point to all this. I know I'm dragging up. I'm trying to tell you details. I go to the police department. I'm 340 pounds. I'm on steroids. I'm benching 425. I'm really mad. I'm really drunk. And I go to the police department to try to press charges on like 120 pound blonde chick. How do you think that worked out for me? (laughs) Who do you think got in trouble? (laughs) I didn't date her sister. So I'm real mad now. Right? So I have these charges I, I, I'm getting insurance letters. They want me to pay for the damage of her car. I'm like, the one that got damaged from running me over. Like I'm mad. I'm mad. I thought about her every single day. Here's the thing, guys. Here's what you're not getting. I had no idea that rage, the drug abuse, the violence that I had, had everything to do with my sex abuse as a kid. Because if you would have asked me, I would have got mad at you and I would never admit it. I didn't even know. People are like, why are you mad? I'm like, I don't know, because you're in my face. Get on my freaking face, right? I have no freaking clue. So I go through this process. I see her at the bar like a year later. I just got found not guilty, praise God. I actually took it to trial. My Lord said not to. I did it anyways. I'm like, no, we're going to trial. It's not right. Like, just pay for a car. I'm like, I'm not doing it. I go to freaking trial. I get not, not guilty. I'm excited. I'm at timeout bar. I'm sitting across the bar. I'm stone drunk. I look over. Guess who's two seats down for me? Her sister that ran me over. And I'm freaking mad, Glenn. I'm real mad. And I'm like, I want to punch her in the face. I know it's not right. I can't hit a girl. I just, I hate. Oh, I want to please and tell a guy something so I could beat him up in your behalf and pretend it's you. And finally, I had this epiphany. I'm not safe. I'm like, dang it. I'm freaking sick of thinking about you. So my drunken stupor, right, I go over to her. I'm like, hey, bad idea. Court cases were just ending. You know, all this, there's different stuff in the middle. And I'm like, I'm freaking sick of this. And she looks at me, gives me this like, like face like she's going to punch me again. I'm like, don't, because she actually hit pretty hard, had a big ring on. So I look at her and I was like, I think about you every single day and I freaking hate you. I was like, and I don't want you to think this is because I want to be friends because I can't stand you. I don't want to see you again in my entire life. I hope I never see you again. I was like, but I'm sick of thinking about you every single day of my life. And so I'm doing this for me. So I just want you to know that even though I hate you, it's not a good, not a good apology, right? Like, (laughs) like I'm forgiving you because I'm done with this. I'm sick of thinking about you. And if you're going to be honest, you think about me every single day. Don't you? She shook her head. Yeah. And I was, I can't believe she admitted. So I'm like, so you know what? I'm just going to ask you to forgive me too. Because we were both wrong. We both did dumb stuff. And she looked at me. She's like, no, I can never forgive you. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm done. Do you know that started me on a healing process? And I came to faith. Literally, God started dealing with the sex abuse and my forgiveness. I told that story because it wasn't abuse. It wasn't because the sex abuse is a kid. But like this, like a layer. I hit the surface, then it got deeper, then it got deeper. Then I'm sitting at the bar, still not, still not sober yet. I'm sitting at the bar drinking with my buddy who worked there. I just got let in. I was banned twice from the bar. I sit there. This guy i never seen before came to town for a wedding, came over and tried to fight with me. He was across the bar looking, going, he came over, right? He comes over and he, he comes right here. And my buddy's like, way to go, fat boy. you you stir up trouble even when you don't run your mouth. It's just who you are. And he's like laughing. At that moment, I realized this draft, I don't need anymore. Because every time I did it before was to numb the pain, I don't have any more pain to numb. And I realized the root of my alcoholism had absolutely nothing to do with alcohol, had everything to do with the heart. And so if you've been acting out, violence, vandalism, drug abuse, substance abuse, yelling at your spouse, maybe there's a heart issue you just haven't got there. You know what the pathway to peace is? Forgiveness, forgiveness. It may, for some of you, it may be the root, like, sex abuse is in me as a kid. It may be you just had enough, too much stress, and you got tired of being talked down to between your spouse and work and all these different places, and you need to work in present forgiveness. And I don't feel to go deep in the inner healing thing today. I feel like to call you back to order in regards to forgiveness. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Unforgiveness is a prison as you learn to forgive on a daily basis, you'll learn to stay free. you don't have to keep your prayer time isn't trying to get pins and weights off your head. You know what you step into? Real affectionate devotion. Devotion when I spend it now, Clear-headed. I'm beloved. I don't have to beat myself up and take these pins out of my mind for the next hour and a half to get there. I'm here right off the presence. People used to make fun of Joe at the glory barn. You want to know why? Because Joe would just come in and fall over. And they're like, there's no way that guy's getting, I'm like, maybe his heart's clearer than yours. Maybe he stayed connected the whole time to when he comes up and raises his hand. He's not faking it. He just don't have to deal with the process of getting into presence because he's already in it. And you all bitter old mean guys, you just, you don't get it because you've been bitter a long time. So come to the liberty, forgiveness. There's a blood that speaks better word. If you find yourself, listen to me, you're going to marriage counseling with our pastors. I know very little what's said there, so don't think I'm pointing you out. I'm just telling you because I know how it is. I've been in the pastor, I know. <laughs> People are like, yeah, right now, I'm serious. I know exactly what it is. And your heart's cries for justice and you're at the counseling table and you're like, make him pay for what he's done. Make her pay for what he's done. You know what you just did? You just entered into Absalom. Because your thirst for justice. But you know what's crazy about that? You don't want that same finger pointed at you. If you knew you screwed up, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be yelling, throw the book at him. You'd be saying, mercy, mercy. So when you're, you're in counseling or you're at home fighting, do you want justice? Because the blood of Abel had every right to cry out for justice because he was wrong. But you know what the Bible says about it? There's a blood that speaks a better word. The blood of Jesus that cries forgiveness. And there's a man named Stephen. Man, I feel it. Do you feel that? Stand your feet. There's a man named Stephen. There's a man named Stephen who's preaching a good word, trying to convert these Jews and tell them the Messiah's here, and you guys have been missing the whole time. They're getting literally angry, so angry, Ed. They put their fingers in here, the Bible says, and they refuse to hear. And he keeps preaching. They take him before the council and he keeps preaching. They get so mad, they begin to beat him. They snatch him up and they take him on the outskirts of town. And they, they lay their coats at the feet of Saul. And they pick up stones. And this, what's crazy is before they even drug him out of town, it says, Stephen says, there, I see him. Heaven's opened up and I see, I see Jesus at the right hand of the father. And they drag him out, and they said, when he spoke before the people in the council, he's shown as an angel. He was transfigured before their face. Come on, how many want to get transfigured? You know what the transfigured life is? It's forgiveness, because he's glowing like an angel. And this was Stephen's heart. They picked up stones and literally began to hit him with stones to kill him. Religious folks began, tried to murder him. They didn't murder him. And he looks up and he sees Jesus. And every time I see that, I just don't see Jesus standing there like, hey, what's up, dude? I see Jesus doing this. And as he said, before he took his dying breath, he gets hit with the stone. It says he falls to his knees. He says, Father, do not charge their sin against them. You know, Paul got stoned multiple times and God raised him from the dead to continue the mission? Nothing against Paul, but do you know why I believe Stephen didn't get raised from the dead? Because I believe he had nothing more to grow into. There was nothing more he could be conformed into. And the Lord is probably like, just my guess. I can't prove it in Scripture. I'll find someone else to finish the call. In fact, I'll take Saul, who's standing right there, I'll use him to finish your work, Stephen. But you remind me, my son, and I want you up here. You know why? Because there's only two people in scripture that did it. Jesus, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And Stephen, but I see him. He's clapping for me. He's clapping for me. I can't even stand. I'm on my knees, but I can still see him. I see the standing king giving me an ovation. And my only response is, Father, don't charge this sin against them. Forgiveness is glory. Forgiveness. Come on, you want to accomplish something in your life? Man, I have to deal with this because there's a part of me that's like, man, I had these big dreams. I want to do crusades in Africa. I want to write all these books and hopefully I get to do some of that. But you know what the the biggest thing is, the biggest accomplishment I could ever have is to have the king stand up on his throne before I go and clap. (laughs) As I begin to transfer into beyond, Ed, I get a standing ovation from the king himself. What greater honor could a man have than what Stephen had? Where he became 100%, whether in that moment he heard he was, like his savior. And it was the scriptures were fulfilled in his life. As he is, so is he. So are you in this world. Come on, just begin to pray in the spirit. Father, I thank you for the patience in the room as I took time to tell the stories. But I ask right now that marriages begin to be unlocked in this room. Come on, I feel that unlock the box. We won't shrink back from correction. We won't shrink back from when you put your finger on something, Father. Because Lord, even when we're wrong, we will not cry for justice more than forgiveness, God. Come on, we will not hold our spouse in prison to our unforgiveness any longer. What a, come on, man, your spouse is not your enemy. Your spouse is your partner in life. And every time you assault them with your tongue, you're actually stabbing and assaulting a part of yourself. You're actually destroying your destiny by destroying them. Come on. So whether it's kids to parents, parents to kids in the room, come on, brother to sister, spouses, there's a the blood that speaks a better word. Come on, begin to pray to Spirit. Come on. So Father, wherever I personally need to see this, let forgiveness come. Let not a not more than a nanosecond between me being offended. Do I forgive? Let there be no space between offense and forgiveness, God, that I may live a life full of peace. God, I call us out of contempt. Where we disregard one another in the family. We disregard because we're so mad, we're so hurt, and we just count their sins against them when you don't count our sins against us. So, Father, let widespread forgiveness come and let that time of refreshing come in the spirit. Come on. Shh. Whoa! close your eyes around the room. Come on, if I'm speaking to you, lift your hand up right now. Come on. Come on, some of you are coming out of depression. If you embrace this word, you're coming out of depression. Come on, as soon as you hear the, yeah, bud, come out of your heart. Say, no, 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 I don't, they don't need to come to me and make it right. They don't need to come to me and apologize. I'm forgiving them even for my own sake. I'm letting them out of my prison. Come on. Come on, in your heart, just if you have to, call them by name right now. Shh. You don't have to say it out loud. Just call them. Like I release you, I release you, I release you. Shh. My father died when I was twenty-five. I had to forgive him for leaving. You know why? Because he didn't have to leave. He refused ambulance help for a week. And I thought he was being selfish because he wanted to die. He's talked about it all the time. So in my heart, I was angry. You selfish son of a gun, you thought about yourself before us. Now I have to deal with this grief at 25 and I have my dad around. Whew. I had to go through a process, Jeremy, forgive him. But you know what it makes me do now in forgiveness? Is I take my little boy Because every time I went to hug my dad, he would say, What are you, gay? Are you a sissy boy? Are you a sissy? No, I just want daddy's hug. So, you know what I get to do now? I get the rat say in my arms 20, 30, 40 times a day. Annoyingly, annoyingly to him, kiss him all over his little face. I'm like, You know, daddy loves you, right? You know, daddy loves you. And it's not words, it's hugs. And it's kisses, it's prayers, it's time to the park. Come on, it's correction when he needs it. Come on. He will never go a day in his life thinking he's not loved. He'll never have to go. He'll never have to go. You know what shifted for me for exercise and health? You know what it is? Love. It's not what I look like. It's not the clothes I fit in. Well, there may be a little bit of that. It's I want to be around because I've seen him in the spirit in his 20s, I'm guessing, and I've in Africa, and I was at the side of the stage. Man, I didn't put this together now, so I may have made mistakes round well, there. See that fulfilled, but I had visions of it, and I know my uncle Ed did because he didn't. He was not a fan of mine, and he came and said, "I saw the Lord show me what you're going to do." Whew. And maybe a part of me blew it, but you know what? Maybe he takes what I blew. <sighs> you see what I'm saying? I'm not listening. I'm not pouting over anything. I'm not saying I even did that. I'm just saying I've had visions of my son in Africa. <sighs> and I'm at the side of the stage going, that's my boy. Give him everything, everything, God, that you promised me. And Mike, maybe that's the encounter we had, brother, coming from South Carolina. <sighs> maybe it's gonna be Sam and Caleb or Sam and Jaden that we take to Africa and we finally have this break that we're dreaming about. We take him to Ethiopia or somewhere and we take them with him. And we say, son, or maybe we just send them from here. And Pastor and Mama T lays hands on him. And we said, here's the resources, son. Go buy the land and give it back to the people who originally owned it and give them twice the price that it's worth. Come on, come on. Can you feel that? I'm telling you, if you you feel stuck in devotion, forgive. If you're, if you feel like your prayer life is hitting a wall, forgive. If you find yourself critical, forgive. It's the key that unlocks glory. And you may just go, the next time you may go to prayer, after you go through the, you forgive and you really get it out of your heart and not just say you do in front of people, but you're actually forgiving your heart, you may actually see a king standing there and you may not have to get stoned to do it. Next time your spouse really hurts you and you wanna hit him right in the face, ugh, you know what you do? Father, don't, don't hold this sin against him. I know he's a man of God. I know he's a man of God. He's not acting like it now. You know what I, because my mom prayed the same thing for me when I was going and fighting at the bars, getting guns pulled on me. I don't know where you at right now, Father, but I know you're faithful. Save my son, save my son. And even though it took to the age of 29 I gave her 15 years of pure hell, guess what happened? He came knocking on the door of my heart and I've never said no since then. So come on. When you begin to pray like that, the people you're mad at, maybe the next time you pray, you'll see a standing ovation from the king and you won't have to wait till you get stoned to see it. You won't have to wait till you're over. But you say, oh, I'm telling you, I heard the voice of the father so many times where I could have been so mad at things. And I turned around and just said, I'm going to walk away. Lord, I need your help. And I heard the father lean down and whisper to me. It's like he leaned down this close to me and said, I'm so proud of you. You could have punched that guy in the face right there. But Mike, you're actually learning to love. Really, Jesus? Yes. 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 Sometimes you just have to forgive yourself. (sighs) Listen, there's times where I get in this mystery stuff. And there's times where Lord stops it, says, Nope, all this is going down. I need you to pray into this right now. And that word this week for me was on forgiveness. And I can't think of anybody I'm mad at. So I know it's for someone else besides me in this house. And I'm not, I'm not trying to displace blame, but I'm telling you, take it to heart, because this could be the freedom that you're praying about. Whew.
1: So now when everyone in the room, close your eyes. I know when sometimes when big stories are shared like that and, and in intense in different ways, we tend to not look at little foxes in our garden because there was such a big one that he pointed to. So I feel like there's a seriousness in the room that we have to come into right now. Because that's what I kept hearing even during worship and I didn't even know what he was going to speak on was there a little foxes spoiling the vine. Little foxes and when he was talking about unforgiveness and keep your eyes closed, please, because I want you to, I want you with holy, with Holy Spirit to inspect your heart. I feel like there are marriages in the room, and I'm gonna I want to set some of you free. We have been preaching and praying, no report card for ourselves, but yet we have a report card for our spouse. I hear the cries of the, the wives in the room of, I, I, wish I, could, I wish I could enter into this place with the Lord, but I can't because he's not doing this. When did the Lord ever tell you that the sky was not your limit? It only says your prayers are hindered when there's arguing between you, when there's a quarrel between you, not because he's not living up to what you thought he was supposed to live up to. So today, remove that report card off of your spouse Remove those expectations off of them and remember why you love them. Remember why you were at the altar saying I do to that person. In that moment, you weren't putting a report card on them. You were just staring in the eyes of love. So we remove the report card towards our spouses in this room. You're not held back because they're not what you think they should be. Nowhere in the scripture does it say you are. It only says if there's a quarrel between you, your prayers, it's like hitting a brass ceiling. So we remove that hindrance right now out of our marriages. We remove what is hindering love. We refuse to be Ishmael to our spouse. They are part of you. Two became one that day you said, I do. So when you're putting a report card on them, you're actually speaking Ishmael over yourself. So we remove that voice of accusation right now. Father, we thank you that the sky is the limit. The sky is the limit in our devotional life. So come on, even just, and I don't want you out loud, because I don't want to make anybody stand out in the room for this. But if that's you, I just want you to begin to forgive your spouse. And then also just forgive yourself for putting on those expectations, those false expectations, that report card on them. Because you haven't always lived up to it either. And you never wanted to be their excuse. So don't don't let them be that to you. We remove every accusing voice and we say, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. The very one that as he's being crucified said, Father, forgive them. We are in him. We are in him. That is your dwelling place and he is in you. So we remove any voice of accusation that we're pointing toward anybody else and that we point toward ourselves. We thank you that forgiveness reigns here. Father, you delight in showing mercy and let that be our character too, Father. You delight in showing mercy. You actually look for opportunities to forgive us when we should not have been. You look for opportunities to extend your hand of mercy when we should not have deserved it. Give us your character, Father. Give us your character that we would delight in showing mercy when it should not be deserved that somebody would look back in our eyes and see you, Abba. Mercy is our portion. Mercy is our inheritance. So Father, we receive of that tonight. Let us be known as a people of mercy. Let us be known as a people quick to forgive. Thank you, Father. Thank you for marriages that are being set free in the room. I thank you for clarity of mind and devotion that's being received right now as we're letting go of this clutter, Father, as we're making space for your mercy to reign. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen, will you just even if you just want to throw a pad on, if you don't want to play. I just want to give an opportunity just to either sit in this or you can come up and respond. But I feel like just let Holy Spirit walk you through that right now. Don't be quick to move on from this tonight. Thank you, Father. We sang it earlier, I'll make room for you to do whatever you want. So we remove all the clutter right now. All that clutter, every stronghold that we that lie that we perceive to be the truth because of the trauma that was done, we remove that clutter right now. We make space for you, we make space for you. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you don't leave us to do this alone, that we would feel condemned, but you come in with your love and your mercy. You are good. To us, So whatever foxes are spoiling the vine that are taken away from this love that it's between you and us, Father, we ask tonight that you would just come and reveal these things to us and just remove these foxes from the garden with us until your fragrant spices arise from our life, God. Until the very desires of our heart begin to sprout forth in this garden, Father. Shira Kilo Montila Vashe Tiato Sundorabai O Terra Moshi and the Kilo Koda Vashe La Mulakai. Give us clean hands and pure hearts. Not hands that accuse and point out, but clean hands. And pure hearts, Father. Your mercy prevails. Mercy triumphs over judgment. It seeks out opportunities to give forgiveness. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you for listening to this message from the Northgate. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to
1: www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.